0: To the Word of Life Community Church Greater Birmingham, our virtual church. I had to change locations today, but uh, all is still well. i got to eventually go back to work, so I'm, I'm working this week. I um, want to make a, a few um, announcements and or housekeeping. Uh, we will do communion today, so at the end of service. So if you've got anything in your house like crackers and um, you know, some kind of um, dark juice, then feel free to use that to join us for um, communion today. We want to say welcome to everyone. If it's your first time, if it's your 31st time, thank you so much for joining us. We don't take it lightly. Uh, our vision and mission is as we teach the word of God and proclaim that Jesus Christ is God Almighty and head of the church, our goal is to open up the eyes of the blind and teach the truth of God's word so it's applicable for daily living, whereby the hearers will come up to God's center of living for themselves and their families. This is our vision and our mission. Amen. Um, I just want to give a, a couple of shout outs, but let me do this before I do that. Um, if for the members or if anyone else that are watching by um, television, um, those that may be watching by Facebook Live or even hearing this on podcasts. Um, If you would like to give, uh, you can give to Word of Life GB on Cash App, or we won't make the assumption that everyone has Cash App, or you can send uh, your offering to P.O. Box 1856, Bessemer, Alabama, 35022. And you'll see it come up from time to time on the uh, webcast. And let me just say this, that I know I, I have friends and I hear people say, oh, as soon as I tuned in, the preacher was talking about giving money. Um, in our church, it's not that we're asking visitors to give money. These are for folks that are um, actually members who do tithes and offerings. If you would like to, that's fine. But if not, that's fine, too. Amen. Um, God, supply us. We just want to give you the word. I want to also give a special shout out. And I hope she's watching uh, her and her husband. But um, sister, way up. Over in the U.S. Virgin Islands, um, I'm in their Airbnb uh, this week, and they've been great hosts. So I told them I was going to give them a shout out. So uh, not like I'm running a commercial, but I am. Amen. If you get a chance, come on over to um, the Cottage Adore, and um, they'll, they'll take care of you. Um, so we just want to kind of get right into the word. So let's pray. Father, we thank you now for a word in due season god we pray now that this will be something that will inspire and will inform these your people god father we thank you that we're all on one accord god your word declares that we should pray for those in authority over us. so god we pray now for the president god we pray for congress we pray for every mayor every governor god and father we thank you that you give them the wisdom and the insight to judge righteously upon your people god and father we thank you now for a spirit of unity and oneness God, we bind the spirit of division and racism now, God. And, Father, we loose the spirit of peace, love, and joy. And, God, we thank you now that we're covered by the blood of the Lamb. And, Father, we thank you that no evil shall befall us, neither shall any plague come now our dwelling. Now, God, we thank you now that this this word will transform us on this day. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, and everyone in agreement will simply say, Amen. Well, i got a lot to say today, glory to God, and a short time to get there. Believe it or not, we've been on this series for about two months, and this is the last day, this is the conclusion, and it's so ironic in the chapter that I will end up in, um, and based upon the things that we've been going through, so I know that it's a divine setup, so I can't wait to get into it. Uh, We've been teaching out of a series entitled Build That Wall. And so I had a friend of mine I said, man, why would you uh, entitle a series like that? That That's a negative connotation. Um, based upon what the current president, um, his supporters would simply chant as he was campaigning about building a wall to keep people from the southern borders from coming in. And and I and I pushed back and I said, well, sometimes what will happen is, according to the word that God will take what was meant for bad or evil and make it for our good. And so sometimes we have to take sayings and mantras that may be opposite of what it is that we're trying to do and use that as an incentive or use it as motivation to do what it is that he's called us to do. And so the whole idea was was for us to now not build a wall as a border to keep people out. But to build a wall, to build purpose, to build relationships, to build new businesses, whatever the case needed to be in time of this pandemic, because a lot of people, they were sitting around just wasting time and thought it was vacation. And that's the time that you should have been what I call in the lab. You should have been working and getting yourself together and seeking God to see what it is that he wanted you to do so that when you came out of this thing, you take off running. Amen? God gave us a head start. He gave us a time or a season for us to regroup and get ourselves ready to do what it was that we were going to to do. And so we were over in the book of Nehemiah. You might have heard the old saints use this terminology, stay on the wall. Um, And so what we see here is that Nehemiah, is the cupbearer of the king and so he's praying and asking god to give him favor with the king so as he prays as he's still serving the the king um the king notices his continence and he says well you know why is your continence such why are you so sad and so he goes on to tell the king that um how the wall had been deteriorated and it crumbled and in his father's hometown, and he wanted to go back and he wanted to rebuild it. But how many of you know that it was bigger than just the wall? See, sometimes we get so locked into tangible things, but a lot of times what we're rebuilding is really spiritual. I'm gonna say that again. Sometimes we get so locked into tangible things, but realistically, what we're rebuilding and what we're building is something spiritual. The spirit is more real than the natural. I ain't got time to fool with that today, but I'll come back to it some other time. But we have to understand and know that when we're building things, we're building it in the spirit first, and then it it happens in the natural. Okay, I'll just say it like this. Um, Things manifest in the spirit first and then in the natural. What do you mean? Well, um, before the position that you're in now... You were already in it in the spirit before it became in the natural. Um, you were already married before you got married in the natural. You was—I hope y'all hear what I'm saying—and so, so we have to understand and know that it is more spiritual than it is natural. I don't know why I'm over here, but I'm gonna go ahead and do it now. The Bible says that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principality, spiritual wickedness, uh, wickedness in high places. Uh, rulers of darkness So we, we really wrestle with spiritual stuff And I'm just going to throw this in the end for free So things like racism and bigotry Guess what? That stuff is a spirit Amen I, 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 I'm going to deal with that later on And, and so just to kind of get us to To where we are today So Nehemiah He has these three nemesis He has Tobiah He has Sanballat, And he has Geshem All of these folks are from different Um, areas, different countries, you got one that's a Sumerian, you got one um, that's from another place and one from another place, and here's they all come together to conspire to keep Nehemiah from doing what it is that God had called him to do. How many of you have got some some and some Tobias and Gessoms in your life where you've been trying to do something and it seems like every time you try to do something, here come these same folks or these same situations. Coming back and forth trying to keep you from doing what it is that you need to do. I told a friend of mine last week, and I got that from my pastor, that you're gonna keep taking the same test until you pass it. I'm gonna say that again. You're gonna take keep taking the same test until you pass it. That's the same way with America right now. I'm getting ahead of myself, but I might as well release it. That America's gonna take the same test until it passes. All right, I'm I'm I'm, I'm gonna deal with that in just a second. But so we we see here that these people are trying to get him to come off the wall to meet with them so they really could distract him. Because initially, when he starts this process, they laugh at him, they mock him. They like he ain't gonna be able to do it. But then all of a sudden, when they see that he's serious about this thing, then all of a sudden they begin to get downright indignant. That's what the Bible says, they get downright indignant about the fact that he had the unmitigated gall to go back to a place that he wasn't even living in. And he was going back to a place to rebuild his dad's wall. Oh, pastor, why did you say that? Well, I just wanted to put a pin in that to kind of speak to somebody. I don't know who this is for, but just because you don't live in that neighborhood or just because you have moved out of the hood, don't necessarily mean that you can't go back and help that same place that you came out of because you never know the very person that, that may be called, In that place, they may be waiting on you to give them the inspiration or give them the help to be able to do that. And so here it is, Nehemiah, he goes back and he's locked in. He has a group of people that's helping them. We talked about having a network. You can't do it by yourself. And he goes on until we get to chapter 5, and that's where we'll be today. And and we'll we'll rest there. So we had some revelation tenets. Um, in verse, uh, in chapter six, which was our foundational text, but for the lack of time, we won't be able to read it, but I suggest that you go back and you read really, um, at least, um, chapters one through six of Nehemiah, you you'll, you'll really be blessed by, but we were, our foundational text was over in Nehemiah chapter six, starting at verse one, and we ended at verse 19, but we, we extracted some revelation tenets that we would use to be able to undergird this message. And so the the first tenet was let your work speak for itself. And we saw that in verse number one of chapter six. Um, The second tenet was distractions are designed by the enemy. And we saw that in um, verses two through five in in, in chapter six. And And I talked about that just a minute ago. Then the third revelation tenet was false accusations is usually the last result of your enemy. And that's in verse 6 and 7 because we see what winds up happening is when Nehemiah wouldn't come down off the wall, then Samballi and Tobiah said, well, I tell you what, we're going, to tell the, we're going to tell the governor that you're trying to be the governor. We're going to tell the king that you're trying to be the king. We're going to tell everybody we're going to just lie on you, basically. And so sometimes, and i 've said this over and over, and I said it in this teaching, but i can 't go back you 're going to have to go back and, and look at the recording but But when the enemy starts to accuse you of stuff that you know that you didn't do. Bless God, what it is, is that's their last result. They ain't got nothing else. Uh, you hear me say it every week, they're out of bullets, they're out of rounds, they're out of ammo when they start accusing you of stuff that you didn't even do. And, and, and if they do that right off the bat, then you know they don't have anything. And so you just have to withstand it. Um, you heard me say this time and time again, you can't control what people say, but you can control if it's true or not. And so with false accusations, that's usually their last result of your end. I got to keep moving. And so Revelation 10 at number four over in Nehemiah 6 was God will help you recognize plots and distractions. So here it is. They use this false prophetess to go and try to send Nehemiah word and tell him he needs to go to the church. But really, they was going to go to the church so they could do some harm to him. And Nehemiah, the God reckoned that he really expose that thing so near said, man i ain't going to no church i'm going to stay right where i am i'm going to stay right on this wall i'm going to keep working if the lord want me to come here then he'll tell me and so that's got to be the same issue with us we've got to start seeking god so we can recognize the plot i had a good mentor friend of mine who would always say friend Know the answer before the question I'm going to say that again Know the answer before the question So pastor how do I know the answer before the question I get in the word The word has every answer before the question even comes What do you mean Like I say it all the time When did I get healed I got healed before I got sick Why because God knew everything Since the beginning of time And he put it in the word And all we have to do is not only read the word But we need to absorb the word And walk in the word and so God will give us the, the wisdom and the insight to be able to recognize plots and distractions. And, and, and so that's, that's, that's Revelation 10 at number four. Number five, focus will always allow you to overcome fear. I'm going to say that again. Focus allows you to overcome fear. We, we talked about how uh, even though they were threatening Nehemiah, guess what? Nehemiah was so focused on their wall. That he didn't have time to be afraid Some of us um, Fear has overcome us And has paralyzed us to do what it is That God has called us to do And so we have to recognize And understand and know that you know what If I focus in on what God has called me to do I don't have to worry about Being in fear I, I just, I, I, I just got to continue To set my face like a flat Like the Bible says and I'm going to continue to do What it is that God has called Us to do and then Revelation 10 at number 6, and that's kind of where we'll be today, is your finished work should be for God's glory, not others. The things that we do shouldn't be so that we can be impressive to the public or so we can be impressive to our friends or even our enemies. The only person that we really need to impress is God. And when God is pleased, I promise you, everything else will work itself out. I promise you. So, So your finished work should be for God's glory, not others. And so we, we we get to chapter 5, and so we walk through the whole book of Nehemiah. We walk through the whole book of Nehemiah, and it's ironic that we stop on chapter 5, and that's where we're going to park today, and we're going to leave the van right there on, in, in chapter number 5. But as I was preparing for um, this message, and as I was landscaping what was going on in in the nation I came across something and some of you might know some of my former students um, are uh, watching this and so now I'm gonna throw this back in your face all the times that you used to tell me as a history teacher why do we need to know history here's your reason why right here so if people ever tell you that history is not important tell them that they're alive because Uh, History seems to, for some reason, repeat itself. So if you don't know where you've been, it's very difficult for you to know where you're going. That's a whole nother message, but I'm going to get there sooner or later. But I I saw something that was um, that uh, me and a couple of friends, we were kind of just discussing the issues, and and something came up that I hadn't seen in a while. Um, And so I probably will get into it in a later series, but I just want to introduce this. But in the summer of 1967, there was um, racial disorders throughout American cities. Uh, It brought shock, fear, and bewilderment, really, basically, to the nation. Um, The worst came during a two-week period in July, first in Newark and then in Detroit. On July 28, 1967, President Lyndon B. Johnson appointed an 11-member commission chaired by Governor Otto Kerner, Jr. of Illinois. The 426-page report was released on February 29, 1968. The report berated federal and state governments for failed housing, education, social service policies. It also really gave a serious rebuke to the America media for looking at the country through white eyes and white eyes only. Now, mind you, you know that President Johnson was irate because when he appointed this commission, he thought that he would have a different outcome, but he really did not. The quote that sticks with me the most is from this, this particular report, and I quote, and I'll leave it right here. Our nation is moving towards two societies, one black, and one white, separate and unequal. This report was known as the Colonel Report. So I, 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 I urge you to go through and, and find a summary of the Colonel Report, and, and I'll talk about it a little bit later um, in my next series. So uh, if, you, if you don't want to read that, don't worry about it. Pastor, going to cover it. I got you back uh, when we get into a later series. So you said, well, Pastor, why did you talk about this, I mean, what is, you know, if you listen to me and I told you that that part of our vision was to make the, the word applicable for daily living. And if unless you've been on the rock, um, there's some real unrest going on in our country. And so it's my obligation as the pastor to make sure that I make sense of it and I tie it to the word. And God just, you know, he just developed this masterpiece for us to land in chapter five. And give us some insight and hopefully give you some inspiration on how you can affect change where you are. So we get to um, chapter 5. And I'm just going to pick up there and I'm going to go line upon line. That's okay with you. But I pick up in in, in Nehemiah chapter 5 starting at verse number 1. And there was a great cry of the people and, and of their wives against their brethren the jews so here's revelation key number one the oppressed will eventually cry out Woo! yes indeed the oppressed will eventually cry out you see this that now while nehemiah is trying to rebuild this wall the jews have really started going through some things and it had gotten to the point that these people had been so oppressed that they eventually had no alternative but to cry out. What you see here in today's society is the same thing. People have been oppressed for so long, so guess what? They have no alternative but to cry out. How many of you have gone through some stuff at work, you've gone some, through some stuff at your house or whatever the case may be, and you put up with it for so long, but at some point you like a boiling pot. That thing just keeps simmering, keeps simmering, keeps simmering, but then after a while it just blows the top. Uh, and That's what happens when people are oppressed. Uh, I, I use the, um, the example um, for some of y'all who really didn't have a tea kettle and you had to put your tea... Inside of a pot, when you really boil that thing and you had the, the top on there, you would see that it would just um, get to the point as it boil, boil, boil. It goes to shaking a little bit. And if you're not careful, it will come all the way off. And so that's what happens when you oppress someone or something. Eventually, it will cry out. And so here it is. We see that among the Jews that these people, it was so amazing that they're oppressed by they same folks. But why says it's a little bit deeper? For they were that said, We are our son, we, our sons and daughters, are many, therefore we take up corn for them that we may eat and live. Some also were that said, We have mortgaged our lands, vineyards, and houses that we might buy corn because of the dirt. Now, when you hear that word dirt, that that word dirt in the Hebrew is like scarcity. Or, or or lack or without. And so here it is. They're in this famine. They're in this season of lack. And what they say is that, man, we've mortgaged our lands, our vineyards, and our houses. Watch this. So they mortgaged their land. So that means that it was more than just the house that they live in. They mortgaged where they live. But then also they mortgaged all of their um, holding so to speak so some people have gone through the pandemic and it's been a situation where they couldn't pay the mortgage or some of them have lost their homes but not only have they lost their home but they've lost their retirement or they lost their pension or they had to cash it in just to make ends meet and so here it is he's saying that their whole 401k everything these folks have mortgage all of their assets and their holdings also that's their lands and then their vineyards Um, So those who had businesses and things of that nature, some of them had to sell that, you know, because in that day, that's how they made their money, through their vineyards. And you think about there's a difference between a vineyard and a garden. I'm going to say that again. There's a difference between a vineyard and a garden, just like there's a difference between a job and a career. Preach, Pastor. Let me tell you something. So when you got a job, you just go on from place to place to place to place. When you got a career, you know you call to do that, and you stay there for a certain length of time there's a difference between a vineyard and a garden because a garden you just make plants um you get stuff and you harvest it when it's that season and then after that you got to plant some more seed but in a vineyard it guess what once you plant it when the harvest starts to produce you can receive the harvest then guess what you go right back the next year you ain't gonna plant nothing else because what it just does it itself it continues so there's a distinct difference between a vineyard and a garden. Some of us need to move from the garden mentality, oh my God, and get into a vineyard mentality. Some of us have gotten to the point as long as we got a job and as long as we good and we can just make the bills or be a little bit under the bills and we're good. But you have to get to a point where you start to have this vineyard mentality because the Bible told Abraham that he was going to bless him to be a blessing. So the reason why we really are trying to acquire the blessing is so that we can be a blessing to some other folks, I'm going to show you this right here in chapter five. But you see here, so they have mortgaged everything. These folks, they broke. They went through the pandemic, so to speak. They broke. They, they, they've given everything. And watch it. Verse four says, and there were also that said, we have borrowed money for the king's tribute and that upon our lands and vineyards. So in other words, we not borrowed money to pay our taxes. We got we to make sure that we, we, we get, we got to pay these taxes. Yet, verse five, yet now our flesh is as the flesh of our brethren, our children as their children, and lo, we bring unto bondage our sons and daughters to be servants. And some of our daughters are brought into bondage already. Neither is it in our power to redeem them for other men have our lands and vineyards. In other words, they took everything we had. So here's Revelation key number two. Famine and lack causes bondage. Ooh, oh, my God. Yeah, famine and lack causes bondage. So let me tell you something. When you get those credit cards and when you get into excessive debt, Guess what it does? What it does is it consumes you, and now you are a slave to that debt. The Bible even talks about that the borrower is a slave to the lender. And so guess what? When you owe and you, when you're amounting with debt, then guess what? You are in bondage. And so what they're saying is now we're in bondage. We had to borrow and not only did we borrow but we've already now because back then if you couldn't pay the bill then what would happen is they would put you in bondage to work off your debt and so some of us what we've done is um, how can I say this, God? Okay, I'm going to say it just like you gave it to me. Some of us, we try to live the lifestyles of the rich and famous to impress everyone else. And then we get in all this debt and all this bondage. But guess what? Then we hamper our children. Why? Because we don't set up a layup in a hair just for our children's children because we in bondage. We have to get to a point that we start building up. I was with a friend yesterday talking about building up generational wealth. We have to get to a point that we build up for our children's children. But we can't do that if we're in so much debt that we can't afford to help them. We can't, or not only can we not afford to help them, but they got to help us get out of debt. I can't tell you how many folks where their children have to work to kind of help them get out of debt. Now, there are some situations that may be medical issues. There are a lot of situations where people just cannot. There's an unfortunate situation that causes them to be in debt. Which causes them to be in bondage. That doesn't apply to you. Those who it applies to you know exactly who it is that I'm talking to. So we have to get to a point and understand that famine and lack causes bondage. It causes bondage. Now watch this. Let's go a little bit deeper in verse number 6. And I was very angry when I heard their cry and these words. That's what Nehemiah said, right? Because he's writing this autobiographical. And then I consulted with myself. Nehemiah said, man, I had to have a long talk with myself. I can't remember the name of that song, but with the song used to be, y'all just pray for me. Last night I had a long talk with myself. Yeah, so Nehemiah had a long talk with himself. And he said, and I rebuked the nobles and the rulers. And I said unto them, ye exact usury, every one of his brother, and I set a great assembly against them. Woo, now, that's strong right there. That's really where I want to be. That's, that puts me right in the middle where I want to be. So here's, here's Revelation key number three. Leaders should speak out for the oppressed. Woo, yes, indeed. So if you're a leader and you ain't speaking out for the oppressed, shame on you. But guess what, it's never too late You can start today, glory to God but, but if you're a leader, you need to start speaking out For the oppressed Because Nehemiah said, man, this is a crying shame That y'all would do these folks like that And when you see that term Exact in the Bible Actually that's like uh, in, in the Hebrew, that's the word for extort Like in other words, you're in charge Of these outrageous taxes And so now you've extorted these folks So that you can take their land from them and so now now watch this now, and I, and I want to help some people here because I don't want you to get on Facebook and Twitter and then just start writing stuff up and acting crazy. Then the people fire you from your job. Then you say, well, Pastor, you said speak up. No, 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 no. I want you to operate in wisdom. The first thing that Nehemiah did was, what, 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 what did it say? It said he consulted with myself. He reflected on what it was that he was going to say and do. Then he rebuked the 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 nobles and the rulers so he ain't just come half cock he thought through what it was that he was gonna say and do and, and I'll just be honest with you let me just you know I'll be honest today and Fred tomorrow but 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 here it is where you you don't just because you speak on social media that doesn't necessarily mean you speaking out oh my god I'm gonna say that again Just because you're speaking on social media doesn't necessarily mean you're speaking out. If you have influence and you have power, then what you need to do is you need to be speaking to the people who control the ability to oppress those that you are in relationship with. I'm going to say that again. You need to use your influence and your ability to speak to those of the oppressed. So what you see is even though I know we have social media in the Old Testament, but you see he go up on a rock and start, you know, making a big speech. What he did was he went right to the nobles and he went right to the rulers. Why? Because he had the ability to do that. Why? God had positioned him to be in such an area as the cupbearer to know these folks and to have favor from the king. And so as a leader, we have to get to a point that we're going to be leaders in our society, in our environment. We have to make sure, we have to make sure that we become uh, leaders that speak out for the oppressed. I got to keep going. Watch this in verse number eight. Verse number eight says, And I said unto them, We, after our ability, have redeemed our brethren, the Jews, which sold unto the heathen, And will ye even sell your brethren or shall they be sold unto us? Then held they their peace and found nothing to answer. So now after he rebuked these folks, they ain't got nothing to say. They ain't got nothing to say at all. And watch verse nine. Also, I said, it is not good that ye do, ought ye not walk in the fear of our God because of the reproach. Of the heathen, our enemies. So he said, "Man, look here. You mean to tell me that you doing all this stuff and you you not afraid of God? Y'all hear me say this all the time. Sometimes people do some stuff, and I'd be scared to do that stuff. I'd be scared that God would strike me down. Right now, I know we in the in the 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 season or the uh, the dispensation of grace and truth, so He wouldn't do that. But I'd just be scared. I, I just there's some things I wouldn't do. There are some things we 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 saw that." I guess just a, a week and a half ago, or whenever uh, when that uh, when that officer um, decided that he wanted to put his foot on that on that man's neck, the, the, I can't even I can't even imagine looking at at, at the brother. I, I, what I was looking at was the countenance of the person that was oppressing him, and how nonchalant, and there was almost like a sinister look. And so there's some folks that they don't care about what they do. They are just gonna do what they're gonna do. So, but 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 we have to get to a point as leaders, we have to really speak out. So here's Revelation key number four. Lear's voice can help shut down the perpetrators. I'm gonna say that again. Lear's voice can help shut down the perpetrators. So you see they were doing um um when when when, when he went to talking to these folks near my, they ain't say nothing. He just shut them down. And so what you see here is that now, even what you see going on today, because certain people are now starting to speak out, guess what? It's going to start shutting down some of this stuff. We've got a lot more to do, but what winds up happening is when these voices of authority start to speak out, it helps shut down the perpetrators. And so we have to understand and know that, and we have to undergird. Now, let me throw this one in for free, and some of y'all leaders that are, um, y'all may be... um, uh, over municipalities and all that kind of stuff. And, and so uh, I'm going to help you a little bit. Pastor going to help you today. Now, we want our leaders to speak up for us and, and, and to go out to battle for us. Well, bless God, if they're going to if they gonna do that, then you got to support them. It's no need in us going to the polls and voting for folks and putting people that look like us and or have our best interests at heart. And then when they get in, we don't support them. We tear them down. Oh pastor, wait a minute! Now you ain't got out of hand. No, I'm right where I need to be. If, if if we're gonna have people that's gonna lead us and support us and have our best interest, then we got to support them through and through. I ain't even got to even get into the politics and everything else. But there's some folks that's just so loyal that even if their if their leader wanted to, their leader could go on Fifth Avenue in New York and shoot somebody, and they still shoot them dead, and they still support them. Now you can you know. You, you, some of y'all will catch that next week And if you caught it already You are on the same page with Pastor And so we have to understand That if we want us to speak out To shut down these perpetrators Then we've got to support them I can't get stuck there I, I'll catch that next week But let's get, to, let's get to verse 10 And so watch this In verse 10 it says Likewise my brethren and my servants Might exact of them money and coin I pray you Let us leave off this usury in other words let's not text these folks you already see that they they got some stuff going on let's not text them let's give them a break right here here's here's, here's key number number five i'm almost there y'all we all must help those that are less fortunate so here it is near and his servants and some other people he said look here man we got to do something we got to help our brethren so that's the same way with us. If we know that people are less fortunate, whether it be in our family, whether it be coworkers, whether it be friends, whether it even be strangers, we have to be to a point where we're willing to help those that are less fortunate. That's the only way that we're going to succeed. That's the only way that life is going to get better is that we've got to be to a point where we're not so selfish. As my pastor say, my forward and no more. We have to get to a point where we start to help other people, and so that's what Nehemiah does. So Nehemiah, he's gone from now. Watch this shift. He's gone from building the wall to now building up the people. In other words, there's no need of having a fortress when you ain't got nothing. I almost said that again. Well, let me equate it this way. And if you, and if this is you, um, don't get mad with me. I know there's some, some, some. Um, I mean, uh, extenuating circumstance. So I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about others. But but it's no need for me to live in the housing authority. But I'm driving the beans. Ooh, did he say that? Yeah, I said that. And, and so we 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 have to understand and know that that we can't just be about ourselves. We gotta be. We've gotta be about helping. Other folks, we can't just get to the point where we just do what we want to do and not help other folks. And, and so, so we have to help those that are less fortunate. I ain't gonna get off, but but that but that's that's what we are in verse number 10. Now, watch verse number 11. Restore, I pray you, to them even their day, their lands, their vineyards, their olive yards, and their houses, also a hundred part of their money, and of the corn and the wine and the oil that ye. Exact of them In other words that you extorted from them All that stuff We want you to give that back Verse 12 Then said they We will restore them We will require nothing of them So we will do as thou sayest Then I called the priests And took the oath of them That they should do According to this they promised Ooh that is so good So here's here's key number 6 Man y'all gonna love this Justice must be served. Justice must be served. So here it is. Nehemiah and his folks have put so much pressure on these people that they got to the point where they say, you know what? We're going to give them their stuff back and we're going to give them a little change to go with it. And we're going to do just like we said we were going to do. And you can call the priest in here and we'll swear on a stack of Bibles that we're going to do it. And so back in the day, they would bring these priests in to make sure that they, because, um, you know how the Bible talks about, um, it's, better, it's better not to, it's better to vow, it's better not to vow and not give. And, and so, in other words, you can't vow and then you don't give. Um, they said you'd be better not giving. Or you'd be better not now than, than to say I'm going to do something and then I don't do it. But they would use the priest to get them together. And so what we see here is that the, the, the priest seals that thing. So, so what does that have to do with the day, Pastor? Well, as we have leaders that come in and they're putting pressure on the government to do different things, to reform policing, to reform housing, to reform education, as we start to make this shift in our country, now the preacher's job is we've got to come in and we've got to hold them accountable. Yes, amen. We've got to, Everybody's got to stay in their lane. They've got to do what it is that they've been called to. To do So everyone is not called to march. Everyone is not called to hold up a sign. Everyone is not called to speak out. You know, everyone has a role to play. You find your role and you play it. Amen. You do what it is that God has called you to do. But here it is. Nehemiah has put so much pressure on these folks that they have no choice but to eventually give in. To what it is that he they needed to do, and to stop oppressing these people, and that's the same way with us. Uh, we're gonna come to a season where it's gonna be so much pressure that these people that are in, in power have no alternative but to do what it is that they know to be right according to God. But justice must be served. Oh yes, indeed. Let me let me let me let me stop here. I got one more one more. Um, one more key, and I'm almost stop right here. Verse 13. And I shook my lap, and I said, So God shake out every man from his house, from his labor, that performeth not that promise. Even thus he be shaken out and emptied. And all that the congregation said, Amen. And praise the Lord. And the people did according to this as they promised. Moreover, from the time that I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah, and from the 20th year, even to the 2 and the 13th year of Azariah, the king, that is, 12 years, I and my brethren have not eaten the bread of the governor, but the former governors that had been before me were chargeable unto the people, and had taken of them bread and wine besides 40 shekels of silver, yea, even their servants bear rule over the people, but so did not I, because of the fear of the Lord. So in other words, he said, even when I became governor, I'm not gonna do like these other folks did. I'm gonna do what's right. I'm gonna throw this one in for free. Guess what, when you get in charge of whatever it is you're supposed to be in charge of, don't do like the last person. People, I see people on jobs all the time say, you know, if I was the supervisor, if I was the boss, if I was this, I wouldn't do that. And as soon as they get into it, then they do what? They do the same things that they say that they wouldn't do. Why? Because when they got there, they got intoxicated or influenced uh, in what it was that they had been blessed with. I can't stop right there. I got to keep going. Yea, in verse 16. Yea, also I continue to the work that this wall neither balk we in land or all my servants were gathered thither unto the work. Moreover, there were at my table a hundred and fifty of the Jews and rulers beside those who came into us from among the heathen that are about us. And now which was prepared for me daily was one ox and six choice sheep. Also fowls were prepared for me and once in 10 days store of all sorts of wine. Yet for all all this required Not I, the bread of the governor, because the bondage was heavy upon the people. Think upon me, my God, for good according to all that I have done this for the people. See, see, remember what I talked about today's tenet was your finished work should be for God's glory, not others. Even though he did it for the people, he really was concerned about what God would think. Here's my last and final revelation truth. God is watching us. When it's all said and done, when we, whatever it is that we do, whatever we've been called to do, God is watching us. Even when you don't think God is watching us, God is watching us. Wherever it is and wherever we shall be, God is watching us. I don't know what you've been going through this week or the last couple of weeks or even during this pandemic, but guess what? All you've got to do is Stay on the wall. Don't come down. Uh, I'm I'm reminded of the song I heard this morning from James Fortune. God, I trust you. All you got to do is trust God, and I promise you, if you trust God, he's going to bring you out of any situation or circumstances. Some of y'all are going through some personal uh, pandemic. Some of you are going through some personal civil disorders and rest right there in your home or your job or whatever the case may be. Trust God, and I promise you, He will do his part. He'll either send a Nehemiah to help you come out or he'll do it right there himself. Amen. Well, I promise y'all I'm not out of time. I mean, out of word. I'm just simply out of time. Let's pray. Father, we thank you now for this word. God, we pray that it's a blessing for those who may be the hearers. God, we ask now that you continue to keep them, Lord God, in this season of uncertainty. God, give them peace where they seem to find confusion. God, give them boldness when they seem to find fear. And God, we thank you now that you'll cover them with your blood and give them protection whenever evil is very present. And so, God, when it's all said and done, we'll make sure we give you the glory, the praise, and the honor. In Jesus' name. Let me just say this. I don't want to take this.